going to talk about parenting, a very simple, straightforward verse. If we train up a child, if we actually put the effort in and train a child in the way he should go, there's this incredible promise. If we do our part at the front end, if we do our part, if we invest uh, time, energy, and love, then when our kids are old, they're not going to depart from the Lord. They're going to walk with God. Uh, they'll have a relationship. It'll, it'll, it, it changes and defines their whole life. And, and don't forget that is the primary you know, responsibility and privileges of parents is to introduce our kids to Jesus Christ. A reminder of that, that one statistic that, to me, is, is, is really chilling. 90% of people who become a Christian will become a Christian before 18 years of age. Before, that's, those are the prime years. If, that, if, if, they, if they do that, what, those who may survive that, then they go to college and, and come under the pressure that's there. So 90% before 18 years old. It's the primary responsibility of parents inside of our country. You know, this is, this is the challenge that we're going to be talking about tonight, how to bring that about. And, it, and it's what all Christians want. I don't think my wife and I, as we, we talk about our kids and look at our grandkids and look at the things that they're, there's nothing more important to us. There's nothing more, I mean, uh, we've done our part. We, we fed them, clothed them, uh, kicked them out of the house. At, and, but what we wanted them to take was Christ. And we wanted them so they could pass Christ on to their, to their kids. Then ultimately, if that next generation would get it together and give us great grandkids, uh, then it would pass on to them. Because in the final analysis, that's all that counts. It's the most important thing as far as parents are concerned, to be able to do that. And, and it's just not parents. Make no mistake, it's all of us. All of us have a stake in raising godly parents or kids. It defines the next generation. We, we should be encouraging Parents, we should be praying for them, aunts, uncles, and everyone else that's involved, teachers, mentors. We all have a role to play in helping this process take place. You know, one of the, to me, telling and, and chilling verses was, because uh, I've seen this work so often, is Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, he got them all together and he says, if, if anyone wants to follow me, if, if anyone wants to be a, a follower of Christ, he says, Here, here's what has to happen. He says, come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We talk about this all the time. Total commitment. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for, for my sake will find it. Now, we normally stop there. We, we put that up. We put it up with Galatians 2.20 as what biblical Christianity is. Today, we're going to focus on the rest of it. What would a man gain in return for his soul? What, would, what does he profit if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What, what, what do you gain? You know, I've been a Christian for a little while now, uh, and as I've looked around in Crossroads and, and the other life, there's a danger and a warning there. Parents can get their eye off what the important game is. The important game is not sports. It's not being the most popular. It's not being this. It's not being that. It's, 
it's, it is dead center our relationship with Christ. So as we, as we, as we look at this particular verse, I, I, I started thinking of examples uh, of the number of times uh, that I've seen in this church families come, they come to Christ, everything's exciting to have kids, but then the point as their kids start to grow up, they start to get into sports. They start to get, and nothing's wrong with anything I'm going to say, okay? So you sports moms and dads don't go out and, you know, slip my tires uh, or whatever. Uh, But sports, uh, regular sports and team sports and traveling sports, uh, all the activities of band, all the activities of drama, all the extracurricular activities. So many families have their schedules set by their kids' schedule. And if you've got two, three kids and you're taking them here, there, and everywhere, you don't have a life. You don't have a family. You have a feeding station where they come in and refuel and you get to drive them to their next event. Uh, the extracurricular activities, the other things that could be taking place, whether it's academic, STEM training, uh, debate training, all of these things are great. But they can destroy a kid because they don't have time. They're, they're not at home. They're not interacting with you. You're spending all of your time and your energy chasing after them, meeting any one of their desires. So what is it? What would a prophet... Uh, a student, if he was honor roll, not that that's bad, or valedictorian, well, that's not definitely not bad. What, 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 nothing wrong with that. What, what if they got a sports scholarship? So many parents that I've seen in this church and in this town, they sacrifice everything for a sports scholarship for their kids. They, they train during the week. They, they, Often the parents become the coaches, uh, the, the cheering section for them. They dedicate everything to that. They, as the kids grow up, they get invited if they're good enough on the traveling teams. So not only are they gone all during the weeknights, now they're gone all weekend. Uh, no, no church? No, no, no youth groups? Uh, no activities? The parents, I've seen it over and over, the parents are... Out of, out of family meetings, out, you know, out of uh, life groups, out of times when we get together. They don't have time for church. All, you know, we're making care calls for them. You're still alive out there? And whenever you talk to them, what's the, what's the first thing? They tell them about what their kids are doing. And nothing wrong with any of it. But the primary job is to teach our kids about Jesus Christ, teaching them to pick up the cross of Christ with the fully devoted relationship with Jesus first and then follow him. Because what good is it going to do them if they get a scholarship, if they they get high grades, if they get all this, even throughout life they get this job and they end up being a millionaire, a billionaire even, so they can give me money. What does it profit them? But they walk out of this life straight into hell. And parent after parent after parent makes that trade. Everything becomes more important than having time around the kitchen table, which is quality time, oh please. Time around the kitchen table. Time on trips where you actually bring Christ into the conversation. Uh, and, and again, the, the order, the command is, is to put Christ first, to follow him in all of these things. 
You know, we don't want them to lose their soul. You know, again, I've seen this happen way too many times as it goes forward. You know, and again, we want them. Now, I put these two verses together that we normally see this together. This is biblical Christianity. This is, this is Jesus again talking to his disciples and saying it's a 100% deal. You can't hold anything back. Uh, it's because it's love, and love is 100%. And in the next verse, we're crucified, misspelled, with Christ. Uh, it's no longer I who live. Isn't that misspelled? You're the teacher, right? Okay, good. Got it. Uh, I'm educated, too. The, uh, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the flesh. I, I, excuse me. Now I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Just, just, just so we kind of understand this, and this is, I've seen, this is one of the things that breaks my heart most. I'll, I'll be talking to parents, and this is, this is not an isolated case. This is almost a uh, majority. I'll talk, to the, I'll talk to the parents, and I'll say, hey, they'll start talking about their kid. And they're talking about what they're up to and things like that. And, and they'll be doing stuff that I know is not right. Some of them are in jail. Some of them are doing this. Some of them are doing that. And the parents are coming for prayer and things like that. And, well, just all concerned about the behavior of their child, skipping school and everything else. Okay, got it. But you know what they say? But they're a Christian. Uh, let me get this straight. But they love the Lord. I hear that, you know, so many times. I hear them say they love the Lord, and there's not one bit of fruit on that tree. As a matter of fact, they're reaching over, stealing fruit from other trees uh, as they live their lives. And, and yet the parents, blindly out of this hope that they're a biblical Christian, give them credit for it and stop the discipleship training accountability process that if you claim to be a Christ follower, you'll live like a Christ follower. Did I rant and rave enough there? This, this is destroying so many Christian kids who aren't Christian. And when they go to college, they're eating for breakfast because they have no faith. Or they get into a cult or some false teaching when they go there. As we, as we talk to our kids and raise our kids, push for real Christianity. And, 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 and let them know there's an accountability and there's a, there's a challenge in this. You know, it, and remember, it's a love issue. We don't present Christ as a club to destroy their lives. We present him as an opportunity to enhance our lives. And through us, other people can come to know Christ. Ask them, how are your friends doing with Christ? How can you help? What can, we, can we be involved in that? See if there's an ongoing relationship inside of their life, if, ours, if Christ's heart is beating inside of them. It, it can be done. And, and again, these, these events that take us away, I don't care whether it's school extracurricular events, uh, there seems to be a conspiracy somewhere in town or in the world, obviously, that keep people away from church. Not just the governor not letting us come in, okay? But this is ongoing. Uh, I used to ride mountain bikes and still get out once a month when I'm lucky or twice. But here's the deal. The, the mountain bike race was always on Sunday. 
So I'd go out, Ronnie'd go out with me sometimes, we'd look around the course and say, man, well, I'm not in it, can't go that hill, but we can't even go participate in it. Horse shows used to be Saturday and Sunday, so some events uh, couldn't be in. Just some of the things that our kids and us could Sunday. And, and so the statement is church takes priority. We'll be in church, thank you. And uh, sometimes it doesn't make you popular around the home campfire, but it isn't a discussion that's really had because they know there's no budging in these particular things. Uh, we are to walk with our kids, point out Christ to them as we go down the road. Now, here's the hope. Sounds silly. The hope is God. The steadfast love of our Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. You know, he, he is there for those who fear him. His righteousness isn't to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. This is God's promise, and he doesn't promise us as a, as a removed, distant landlord who's not involved. He is the Lord. His throne rules in the heavens over everything. And his promise to us as we follow him as parents, as aunts, uncles, friends, in this process of a community uh, witnessing to kids, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do that. This is the, the hope that we have. And again, the privileges uh, and the challenges for parents is, is, again, responsibilities. It's an everyday, diligently teaching them to our kids as we live our lives. You know, this, is, uh, this command will be on their heart. Diligently teach them. Take them to church. Uh, have opportunities to challenge them uh, in, th in times of the scripture and things like that. You know, and, and as you go forward at, at meals, at school, or at anything, helping around the house, talk to them. Uh, introduce Christ. Introduce Christian principles. When they come home with teachings from school, particularly humanist teachings, whatever class it may be, expose that. Expose the lies of the world. We'll get to that later as we go along. Uh, the challenging, the challenges to parenting uh, very, very critical. Uh, challenging. Um, need to talk about this kind of up front because when I started out, I was totally uh, clueless, if you will, on parenting. Uh, you know, children. What are you going to do with them? What, what are you going to do? You know, one of the things that, that shocked us, we grew up in an age of uh, where, where kids were seen but not heard. Now, that's not rude. They were invited. They talked. They did everything. But when adults were talking, they would be over there playing. The parents would bring toys. They could play quietly by themselves. They could have their little pack at our house. we throw them all in the basement and don't see them for two, three days uh, when the grandkids come. It's really a good deal. But that's the way. It, the, when you see them running, and, and we've all seen these kind of problems, uh, and, and the way they act. You know, we see them uh, throwing a fit in the store. We see that. So what is the problem of this? Uh, well, it's, it's pretty simple as we go forward. They're sinners. When they're born, they're cute. They're cuddly except for that one thing. We, they, they do things and, and we're thrilled. Look, they rolled over. Okay, uh, they smile at us, and we, we take anything for a smile. It's normally gas. 
uh, or something that's in there, and their mouth gets, look, smiled at me. We do annex to get them to smile. They crawl, they walk. Uh, they say mommy or daddy first, and there's a lot of discussion about that. Uh, sports, school, graduate, all, married, all of these things are so neat for our cool, our kids. But, but there's a problem underneath all of that. They come from the factory defective because of the fall of mankind. They come sinful and prideful into this world. We don't like to think about that. Uh, humanist teaching in our culture today says that mankind is basically good. Uh, kids are born good or, or maybe even godly. But the Bible says all sin, all fall short of the glory of God. That's We have sinned and we're continuing to sin. If we say we're not sinners, we're deceiving ourselves. We're lying. If we confess, he's faithful. If we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar. This is one of the, the biggest challenges to parents is really is to remember that. You know, we keep it in mind because if we don't understand that, we won't train them. You know, for some people, maybe this is new data uh, as we go forward. Uh, but for Christians who believe the Bible, we know this is true. And we know, actually, one of our major jobs is to be able to train them and to move in an area where there's humility and unselfishness that is brought forward. You know, we... we see them grow up there if you let a, a four-year-old run a home it turns into a reign of terror kids uh, all of a sudden think they're at mcdonald's and they're giving orders to the short order cook that's behind now, i don't want this tonight give me that and i've seen parents jump up and take that dinner away and uh bring them something else uh they just take over they become the ones in charge they start torturing their parents they start uh, going back and forth, sibling rivalry comes out of this as they abuse, literally, their, their, their brothers and their sisters are there. And I, I guess most of us have seen in the store the, the little sweet child when he didn't get his toy, throwing a hizzy fit, and, and yelling at his mom or falling on the floor and just a rant and a rave. And uh, as they go forward, I, I, and I think many others have seen it too. I've seen kids hit their parents, kids hit their mom uh, during this when they're not happy with them, throwing a fit. I want to go over there and spank the bozo, not the kid, the parents. Not the kid's fault. He was trained to be that way and allowed to be that way. It's the parents' responsibility to train that out of them. In, in, in uh, 2020, as, as we look around, as the battle that goes on around us, our little darlings can quickly turn into big monsters uh, inside our lives and inside the lives of the people around them. You know, uh, as the kids grow up, I think we've seen this too, uh, older children, teenagers, rolling their eyes. Isn't that really respectful as they roll their eyes? And then again, there's when everything doesn't go their way, there's the magic word whatever, as they turn and walk away with the final insult over their shoulder, showing that they really won the victory. You know, more and more we see situations where in the home, as kids grow, they start abusing the parents. Uh, not an unusual situation. 
sin nature spawns this civil rivalry that takes place. Uh, when, when discipline is necessary, the kids just reject it, climb out the window, go do what they want to do. In classrooms, if, if the parent or the teacher tries to discipline them, uh, they rebel. And if the parents come in, normally the parents will blame the teacher. You know, I uh, didn't write it down, but there was an article when I was on Google, and I said, you know, problems in schools today. And part of it was some of the stuff that goes on, and we'll talk about that. But you know what they said the biggest problem was? Well, poverty of the kids, not correct this. Every excuse, there's a list of ten excuses for kids to act the way they did. Going on. Modern parents need to understand the sinful nature of their children. Uh, the challenge in 2020 are specifically challenging as we look around. You know, parenting my kids in the 70s and 80s, it was a different world. Anyone a little older, when you, if you know how to drive a clutch or know what an 8-track or a 33-speed uh, record is, you'll understand that there was a respect. Uh, I respected, I never talked back to an adult. <laughs> Not my parents. And I never had any of my friends talk back. And here's the secret thing. They never badmouthed their parents when the parents weren't around. There was a secret code of respect that took place in those situations. Uh, never heard it happen. You know, uh, now it's kind of changed. Uh, he who does violence to his father, father and his mother and, and chases them away, uh, he brings shame to his parents. You know, a, fo a foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to him who bore him. You know, understand this, that in the last days, uh, there's a verse that describes the last days that come at us. It says, here's what it's going to be like in the end days of a culture, any culture. Uh, difficult times, people will be lovers of themselves. We, we do live in the culture of self-love. High esteem, self-actualization, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, abusive, and here it is, disobedient to parents, and ungrateful, unholy, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. And if you look at the verses that are there and you, you look at the emphasis that's there, we have that around us today. These are challenging times for parents these are challenging times for the church, and these are challenging times for our country. You know, schools have changed. The media has changed. Technology has radically changed. When I was a kid and even raising my kids, phones were on a cord, and, and you knew where they were. Now everyone's every, uh, got a phone in their pocket. The kids have that. They spend an average of 10 hours a day on it. And yeah, they'll make a phone call once in a while, but hundreds or dozens of text, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, tweets and things I don't even know anything about, but what else flows off that? Music you don't want them to listen to, YouTube videos that twist their minds, and pornography comes off uh, all the way, even the, the use of sexting, of sending pictures of themselves to other people. You know, it, it's a challenging time to be a parent. And even when the kids are home, one of the things that I notice when working around my grandkids and hanging out with them, they're not there. They're there, but they're not there. They're flipping through, checking their Facebook. If, if something goes wrong in, in situations, had this happen many times, uh, when I talk to the parents, if they discipline them, they get on their phone and they call their friends, and their friends tell them and, and support them and talk about what jerks or jerkettes their parents are. 
in situations like that. They're home, but they're not home. It's a different world. Again, the, uh, here's, that, here's what happens. Back when I was a kid, the problem was cutting in line and chewing gum. Big problems. Today, the problems in school is, uh, is the issue that they have is the availability of opioids, uh, violent deaths on schools. I'm glad they're going to take the cops out of there. We wouldn't want them messing with anything. Uh, Non-fatal uh, student accidents and beating each other, fights, uh, and fear of people, just kids, going to school because of the gang activities and the other activities that are taking place. Um, quickly on this, because the goal is to come to know Christ. And a, a chart that we've put up several times, and, and the statistics and the tracking on this, uh, started. I started doing it in 1995. That's when I got the first book from Barna. Uh, I wish I would have done it earlier. But here's the progression of biblical Christians down to the bottom. Now, uh, in 2020, it's, it's 1% under 30 and zero, excuse me, zero under 20. Not a measurable number of kids are biblical Christians as you, in that age group. One more, I think a more telling statistic that I've used from another study that I came up with. What does it take to be mature? There's a maturity checklist. I'll talk about the copies of it in the back in a while. Uh, but the average maturity, age to maturity worldwide is 14 and a half. The Jewish bar mitzvah, where they, where they expect adult behavior out of their kids. They've done this for thousands of years. Uh, girls 12, boys 13. From then on, they're expected by their parents and their community to function as adults. Uh, again, average age uh, inside of our country, uh, when this study came out, was 25 and a half. And now the last study I saw, 33, average age to maturity. So our academic scores have fallen significantly over the period of time. Real battle for our kids. It is not the culture out there. It's spiritual warfare. There's spirits that want to destroy our family and our kids. And, and God put us to stand in between those forces and those kids that he's entrusted us with. It's, it's our responsibility uh, to step up and, and live Christ and to protect our kids, to, to let them know uh, what, what, what is important and what they should be doing. Um, the responsibilities uh, to understand, and I, I want to be clear on this, this battle is spiritual battle. It's not in Washington, D.C. It's not in the Supreme Court. It's not in the Sierra Sands School District, really. Uh, from all objective information, those battles are over. We've lost those. There's only one point of defense, in my opinion, that's left. That's the family. As kids are growing up, that's the hope. That's, and that's actually what God said from the beginning. Years ago, we could, we could trust our government to be on our side. We could trust the Supreme Court not to kick God out of schools. We could trust uh, our, our state government to, to not put out incorrect curriculum. We could trust. We can't do that anymore. It, it, it all falls to the parents uh, responsibilities for parents and the choice we make. We have to choose how we're going to raise our kids. We choose our responsibility, our choice. Are we going to follow the wisdom of the world or are we going to follow God's wisdom? 
you know, uh, we're told not to be conformed to this world, but to use, use the Scripture as we go forward. Don't be conformed. There's two choices, two paths. Wisdom of the world, wisdom of God. We get to choose. Not don't want to pound that too much, but that's for me, is, was a very simple choice. Are we going to raise our kids by Dr. Phil, uh, Abraham Maslow, uh, any of the new talking heads that are running in and out? Uh, are we going to do that, or, or are we going to trust God and, and his will and his mind view? Uh, can we get our kids to see that? You know, uh, one of the things, I think most parents have had this joke, we really wish our kids would have come with instructions. Then over time, we realize they did. It's called the Bible. It's a parenting manual uh, that, is, that, is, that, that beats anything that's ever been put out. It's God's Word. It's, it, it's inspired and breathed by God to make every parent adequately equipped to be parents and raise their kids. His word is truth that will not change. As we trust in God and not our own understanding, then we lead our kids. So as we follow those things, we have a path and a direction to go forward. You know, uh, now, say this, I don't think I need to say it to this group, but if you follow that, the world's going to say you're foolish. If you discipline or spank your kids, if you do it in public, everyone knows that you're just as likely to be corrected by another parent or reported uh, if you're in a neighborhood for abuse to the Child Protective Society. You know, we're, there's a world that's hostile. So it's folly to them. It's foolishness to them. And we need to know that we'll take hits if we choose to do that. If we choose to discipline our kids or say we're crushing them, you're going to hurt their precious, precious self-image. Precious is what it is. And, and, but that's, that's one of the prices we're going to pay going against the culture that we live in. You know, uh, what do we do? What's our first responsibility, parents? It's what you know is coming. We have to be the example. We have to be the example. Parents are still the, mo the largest, most powerful, by any measurement, influence in our kids' lives. They look to us. They want to please us. They see their model coming from us. We're the standard. Our life sets the standard. We, we can't do the do as I say, not as I do. We need to be able to, 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 to be honest about our our faults, our victories, it's still the biggest influence uh, that's going forth in, inside of uh, the world. The next thing, and this is just real now, just kind of nuts and bolts. Have a plan. If you're in the parenting process, or if, if you have friends, family, anyone in the parenting process, encourage them into, into a couple of things. Have a plan. And we have all the resources. We're going to talk about them. They're in the back. They're in a folder. You can pick them up. They're on our website. All the stuff I'm going to talk about from here on, it's available. First off, have a plan. The plans of the diligent. Uh, surely to abundance, everyone you know, who is hasty comes to poverty. Diligent plans brings abundance as we go forward. When Ronnie and I first started the parenting process, you know, we had a lot to learn. Uh, 
one of the things uh, our daughter, why the question was, when can I date? When you're 50. Was the first immediate response. And then she wasn't having any of that. I, I, I forget, or spend the night or date or something. We didn't know. Would you please give us some time to talk? We pulled out a piece of paper, and, and so we wrote down when we thought would be a good time for her to date. What time would be a good time or age for the younger kids to spend the night at another house? What would be uh, the age that they could get their ears pierced? What would be the age that they can wear makeup? What would be, oh, my son didn't ask that one. What, uh, especially back then, the, uh, what are the ages, all these things? So we on a piece of paper scratched out ages that they could have these. And, and we had a plan. Then from now on, when they asked the question, oh, at this age, and here's the responsibilities that go with that. If you're going to wear makeup, you have to take a makeup class so you don't look like Bozette, the, the clown, uh, with, as you put the stuff on. You, you have to do this responsibility if you, know, if you want that privilege. If you want to love, the girls love, I said this story every time, it's so fun. Uh, they had to change a tire. They had to, we sat in the front of the house and we watched them change a tire before they could take the car, jumping up and down on the uh, thing to get the thing. It was fun. Uh, maybe a little sick. Uh, but we had to do that. And so for 20 years, we've been giving out this, this parenting checklist. Promised Land has got so many resources that Amber's puts out for kids, particularly during this time, but they're available uh, online. So establish the plan. Establish the goal. Uh, and again, the goal is put Christ first in everything. Work him into everything. Make him the number one priority in your life and in the kid's life. The next thing, and, and most of you have seen this, it's called a maturity checklist. We, this is what we, the age around the world was defined by. Uh, five criteria, six, the sixth one we added inside of that is being responsible individuals. The first check of an adult is that they're responsible. So we tell our kids, an adult is responsible and explain what it looks like. Let them teach them that, that they will reap what they sow. Tell them, what's your role in the family? You know, to sit down with your kids. Do you know what your role is in the family? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing now? What is the most important thing that you're supposed to be doing? It's kind of self-serving because the answer is honor your mother and your father. But that's their role at that time. If they're in your house eating your food, feed under your table, that's their responsibility to have emotional maturity relational maturity and spiritual maturity these are the things that we look in each of these areas and like i say we've got a very detailed description of those i encourage parents always every time i do parenting counseling read it go home go over it get your kids and sit them down do you have any problem with these things if not this is this is what we're going to do you know minor changes and stuff like that uh, great Get them involved, get a buy-in, and then have a plan for them. And then have a plan for discipline. You know, one of the, the things that's uh, most challenging in, in, in parenting is discipline. Don't despise it, it says. Because we love, we discipline. If we spare the rod, I like, we hate our kids. If we don't discipline, it says we hate them. Foolishness or sin is bound up in the heart of a child. They will, again, I, I love parents when they, they say when something goes wrong, they have a serious talk with their kid. And the kids keep doing it. They have another serious talk with their kids. 
you're not going to get to them up here listening. You're going to get to them down here from the seat of the problem. I'm not saying spanking is necessary and everything, but there has to be an understanding. As a matter of fact, at a certain age, that goes away. But quality timeouts, quality taking responsibilities, show them. Because if we don't show them that sin has consequences, they're going to have a real challenge when they come to God. Because for sure with God, sin has consequences. And again, I want to talk about one thing is, is the reason for anger and discipline. I don't think there's a parent that hasn't gotten angry at some point during the discipline process. Uh, reasons for anger and discipline, we forget the nature of the child. If they're sinning, they are following their nature. Most parents come in and say, why are they doing this to me? It is not personal. They would do it to anyone standing there. They're sinners. So if we get angry at them for being who they are and taking it personal, we'll get angry. If we wait too long to discipline, because every time we tell them to do something and they don't do it, we get a little angrier. It may not show, but something percolates inside of us when we do that. And then the next reason for anger is we don't have a plan for why, when, and how we'll discipline. Parents should agree to these things beforehand. So when the situation comes up, they'll go, here's what the results are. You have chosen this discipline. You knew it was there. You did the behavior. You've chosen the discipline that is there. So plan for discipline. Again, uh, all that's in the back also. Uh, last thing on this uh, is responsibilities and privileges. That list that I talk about. I encourage you to sit down and this is just a sample of it. What age do they do yard work? Uh, what, when can they get a job? When, when can it, they should learn to cook? What dating? What's required? We have a dating guide. Before they date, the responsibility, they should write out for you who they'll date. If they say, I'll date Jack the Ripper, they're not old enough to date, by the way. If they don't have good qualifications, it's such an important thing. Uh, Finally, just some battles that we really need to win as you look at the school system and the culture that we live in, the music, the philosophy in the schoolroom, the philosophy of the newsroom, the philosophy of the state house, all of these things, objective versus subjective truth. Teach your kids that there is real truth. Uh, evolution versus creationism. If you can't defend that, go to work. Study it. Evolution is a house of cards. It, it, it is so easy to disprove it. But if your kids believe in evolution, if you pull the first verse out of the Bible, everything after that is suspect. I encourage the, the book, uh, Have You Considered? More Evidence. Uh, evidence that, you know, all of these books of evidence for uh, evolution, I could do a whole thing on that, uh, proof for creationism. Inerrancy and, and inspiration of the Bible, it's easy to prove. It's easy to prove the human nature that, that Abraham Maslow and his pyramid of needs, all the atheistic uh, approaches, they're all wrong. And very important, submission to authority. Teach your kids what that looks like, you know, as we go. You know, the uh, good news 
we at Crossroads have a group of parents that are absolutely dedicated to raising their kids in, in the ways of God and focused on them. Uh, I personally call them, I don't think they're insulted when I call them the parenting cult. Uh, they get together, they study parenting. They, so what we're going to do is really with the time we have left, uh, we're going to watch a video and they're going to be meeting and they're going to ask them these questions. Uh, how do we stay connected to Christ as a family in the midst of a hostile world? What are the opportunities as a parent to show humility? What's the difference between discipline and punishment? Let's watch what they have to say. What's up, guys? We are here because parenting is hard. <laughs> but God loves us so much. He loves our kids so much. And he's given us a plan and a path and guidance for parenting. Can you guys talk about staying connected to Christ as a family amidst a relatively ugly and, and hateful world? I think as a family, we really try to uh, uh, talk to our kids uh, about the current issues of the day. Things that we struggle with as adults, uh, things that are, are hard to talk about sometimes, we want to bring those to the attention of our kids and be the first to address them so that we can offer the biblical perspective and train their minds to look at the current issues of the world around them through a biblical lens. One of the better analogies that I've heard is the difference between greenhousing your kids and raising them in a bubble. And you hear a lot of people say that we don't want to raise our kids in a bubble. And I would agree with that. Um, and so when I heard this analogy about greenhousing, it really shifted the way I thought about parenting um, to raising them in a way that they're still exposed to things but under my protection um, and with our guidance as they're growing to nurture them along the lines that we want them to grow uh, until they're able to be um, on their own and strong enough to stand up against uh, what the world might throw at them. Uh, yeah, I like that one quite a bit because you're not just keeping the world out and raising them in the bubble. You're preparing them for the world. And when you're preparing them for the world, you can do it the whole, you know, I mean, you're, you're their parents, so you can do it the whole time through, so you can keep things very um, age-appropriate, depending on when, when things come up and what needs to talk about. And we've talked about age-appropriate several times, so. Like when they have questions, I mean, they're going to always have questions, and you want them to come and talk to you about the questions that they have, right? Because if you don't answer them, they're going to go looking for the answers elsewhere. So this way, it's an opportunity for you to do some more spiritual teaching with them, right? Getting into the Bible with them. So answering those questions, um, even sometimes before you think you should have to answer them. I mean, there was numerous times where my girls asked me questions before I thought that was even a topic, but they had obviously um, formed that question from, from their own life situations. And um, so we went through those answers in an age-appropriate way. And a good thing to do is to do your devotions at night, going through those Bible stories, and so that you can pull those Bible stories um, for those questions, right? When things come up, you can say, well, like, like Noah here, or like Adam and Eve here, right? Or like Abraham, pull those stories in to pull the Bible into their lives. Um, just like Jesus, I mean, he taught in parables all the time. And I think it's really important to uh, maintain a fresh perspective on things, and to do that, I think we need to be connected to the vine. 
um, connected to the church, connected to our, our small groups, um, to the body, so that we're not relying on our, on our own experience or our, our natural way of thinking, that we uh, really can have a biblical perspective ourselves to then be able to pass that on to our children. Yeah, and that's a great point because every parenting class we've ever done, either taken or you know held at Crossroads, the first portion, like the first several weeks, is always the parents, you know, the mother and the father as individuals and their relationship with with God and then their relationship together as you know, a married couple and then their relationship to the kids because you can't teach your children what you don't know yourself. You guys have covered some great stuff. Can you give some of these, can you give us practical situation and a way to practically attack a potentially scary and maybe what we deem inappropriate question? Very situational question because you never know what the kid's going to ask. Um, you may not be prepared for it yourself. So one part of the answer is always, if you don't know, like the exact biblical reference, for example, you can tell your kid, let's look that up together. You know, you can search your concordance, you can uh, take the time to see why you don't believe that. And sometimes you'll learn in the process something that you would just kind of checked off in the back of your head as, okay, that's a no, but why is it a no? What, what is the instead you're supposed to do? Things like that. So, Taking the time for those teachable moments. And, you know, some of the questions can seem like really big questions. You know, why can't we uh, watch these movies? Why can't we do this? Why do they live a different lifestyle? Why don't they believe in God? Why do we go to church on Sundays? And those can all seem like big questions, but answering them in an age-appropriate way, pulling them back to the Bible is really important to do. And relying on the body, again, um, we aren't uh, alone in this. We have Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the, the body members around us to rely on, to uh, learn from, and to, uh, to gather with, and to be able to, to feed each other, support each other, shoulder each other's burdens. So when those hard things come up that you have to discuss with your children, I think it's always a good idea to discuss that amongst your fellow, uh, the fellow Christians you have in your circle and come up with the biblical answer to them. Can you guys describe some opportunities that come up in parenting that allow you to show true love and humility to your children? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's kind of a no-brainer. We're imperfect people. Um, not perfect parents. And our kids sometimes bring out the worst in us. So, so me especially, I, uh, I find opportunities all the time to, to realize that I'm being a jerk, being hateful, um, you know, and being ugly and not loving my, my kids and I'll be in the middle of, of disciplining it becomes a punishment at this stage and I realize that I'm just being hateful and wanting to punish them for how much they've upset me um, and, and all of a sudden I, I realize that what a cool child they are uh, every single one of them so I, I stop immediately stop my rant and I, I say I'm, I'm sorry what I'm doing right now is wrong I, I let your uh, what was going on here and I went to that level, and I jumped down, and I showed you a really poor example. I did not show you the love of God and the love He has you, has for you. And so, um, yeah, I get that opportunity all the time, and it is so—it's really great. They get to see the difference in me showing them um, right and wrong and the way to be versus versus Dad's anger. Dad doesn't like this, and then that hateful person I, I didn't acknowledge. Yeah, I screwed up, and then I repent in front of them. So they they get a really cool, true picture of of repentance so they understand that concept as they go on. 
I think that showing that spiritual growth, showing our spiritual growth, that we're not perfect, that we do make mistakes, and that we we turn to God um, in those times and grow through them is a huge thing for them, right? Because it's it's exactly what they should be doing in the exact same moment. So it's it's literally modeling for them when they make mistakes what they need to be doing as well. So um, taking modeling a step further would also be like doing your devotion time with them, praying in front of them, um, loving others when those opportunities come up with and around them, right? Serving others, um, just modeling to them um, what it means to be Christ-like and to live that out in your life. And that means not just Sunday. That means throughout the week as well. Yeah, and sometimes that means, you know, changing up your routine for them specifically. And here I'm thinking, like, you know, we're called to, to go away and pray, you know, privately and spend time with God. And if we're really good at that and our kids never see it, why are they going to think to do it, you know? And so sometimes we have to show them that side of it, a little peek into like the personal relationship so that they have an idea of how to form their own. They see like, Dad, why are you praying all the time? Well, nothing else praying. Why are you always reading the Bible? We are so naturally like, oh, I don't need anybody or anything. Look what I can do. But we model that, that humbled attitude in our service and in our everything that you guys said that was awesome. Like, why do you do that? We get an opportunity to explain and show them why. Point to God who's awesome. In what ways can you show your children um, submission to the authorities that God has given them in their lives and then also you in your own lives? Being that model, being that example, right? Like, um, just in this simple submission of following authority, like, you know, in Growing Kids God's Way, they say putting away the shopping cart, right? Even, it, you know, instead of just putting it next to the car. Um, following the rules, like right now, right? When businesses are asking you to wear masks, wearing the masks. Um, following, following the rules around you. Um, but also uh, following them with a happy heart, right? That's what Growing Kids God's Way says. Like if we're sitting there grumbling, we're doing it, but we're grumbling, we have anger, we have, you know, we're upset, we're frustrated about this, um, that's not showing a humble heart either. So um, doing the, respecting authority, obeying the rules, um, but also doing it with a humble heart. Yeah, and also doing it when you're not going to get caught if you're not doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like Bill uses it all the time, following the speed limit when there's no cops around. You know, that's... Following the rules, obeying the authorities. So. Not because you think that I have to follow the speed limit, or else I'm gonna die and the world's gonna fall off. But mm -hmm. because, like, God said, obey him. So, okay, I may not agree, but you're smarter and greater than I am. All right, I'll follow suit. Yeah, that's cool. I think the biggest example of submission is it with our marriage, though, right? Oh, cool. Watching us submit to each other when they can see that we don't want to. And then they see us take joy as we do it, even though they see that we're struggling to do it. That's, that's, that's a miracle. Okay, discipline is always a hot topic. So, can you guys discuss a little bit between discipline versus punishment? Corrective discipline versus punishment. So, punishment at home, Emma, Jack, Zoe, take your pick. They do something I don't like. I don't like. So, I want them to pay for what they did. So, you go sit in your room. Forever, <laughs> you know that's that's kind of the the punishment. The, the discipline is 
Um, you're doing something right now that's leading you down a bad path. You're doing something that isn't right, and, and I want to teach you that. So, so let me let me use discipline, corrective action, to, to help teach you that. So, like a timeout at times, or or just some abrupt like this is going away. You're not playing with this any longer. Um, with the intent of slowing their world down a little bit and and giving them time to constructively think about what's going on, uh, think about what they've done, so they can actually address the issue themselves. Um, and then thinking about it is a big thing. Are, are your children at a point where they can understand that they are doing wrong? So there's a, a, a good conversation to be had around with, with your, your spouse um, and your children. Um, are they being childish or are they being foolish? Do they lack knowledge and understanding about something? Um, so then you just need to, if they're doing something that is, is not right, are they being childish and just don't really know that it's not right yet? And you need to train them in, in a biblical way to understand what they're doing is wrong. Or are they being foolish? They do know what is wrong. And they are purposing to disobey you in their heart, disobey God in their heart. And if they're being foolish, then at that point it does require some, instead of just training, it requires some discipline to correct that heart attitude. You bring up a really good point when we start talking about the heart. Um, we really need to zero in on whether our corrective action is addressing their heart or whether it's addressing their behavior. So when you're talking about them doing something that you don't like, you're probably looking at their behavior because their behavior is uh, affecting you. You know, that's, it's very easy for us, even for me as a parent, to get really focused on what I am doing. And if my kids um, disrupt my patterns, um, then I'm probably, probably focusing on their behavior. But what I need to look at, I need to look past that and look at their heart and see what God sees. Um, you know, is their heart focused on God or is their heart focused on something else? And if their heart is focusing on the wrong thing, that's what I want to address with them in the discipline. Yeah, you get to use the Bible when you do that. It's like, so, so you know this isn't my made-up rule <laughs> in this house. We're basing our lives on the Bible, and, and what you're doing there is is talked about right here. And so, whether you point directly to the verse or you just make sure your concepts and what you're pushing on, on, the, on their heart is is from the Bible, I think that that really grounds it, anchors it, some, something real and solid. Um, it, it's important for us to do too. It, it allows us to evaluate our hearts and their hearts. And once again, back to the punishment versus discipline. Before we leave, the the reconciling. Making sure they know we love them. We're calling out something they did wrong because we love them and we love them. We accept them right now, right here in their in their what we're claiming to be error. We still love them big time. That hasn't changed. Making that clear is so critical, and, and that will also help them respond. They won't sit there feel like they're worthless. They will know they're loved, um, and that your child may belong to you, and you will bring them up as best you can. Which is what the Bible is about. It's a narrative of redemption and reconciliation. And that because God loved us, we can love our children in that way. No big surprise. Parenting is hard. It's, it really is. But we are so thankful for God's guidance. But also our brothers and sisters who do this together. We do this as a community. We support each other and give each other advice and talk to each other. Really awesome. If you want to get plugged in any life groups or anything like that and join this community of people who really want to glorify God with those Or just come up to any one of us uh, while you're at church, 
um, let us know in different ways we can support, in different ways we can encourage, and we'd love to love on you as fellow parents. We also have lots of resources at the church. We've got books in the library, um, Bible studies right now, media, a couple of suggestions on some Bible studies to go through to help with parenting. So just um, take a look at the, the list that was in the back and um, just let us know. We'll get you Bye. Bye, guys. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we thank you that you're God, that you lovingly parent us, that you love us enough to, to tell us what we're supposed to do. You love us enough to give us the information, the guidelines, the instructions, and you love us enough to correct us when we need it. And Lord, thank you that you also give wisdom to each parent, each grandparent, aunts, uncles, friends, family members, to be involved in a process of raising the next generation. Thanks in Christ's name. Amen. So questions. You know, we've got questions if you guys have any, but we also just want to remind everybody that you can always text questions in. You can do it tonight at 301-4840. You can also do it throughout the week. And if you do it in the middle of the week, we'll pick it up at next weekend service. Um, so we'll just open the floor. You guys got any amazing parenting questions for us tonight? Um, for those of us who are older, who were taught to not talk back and not disobey our parents, um, but not because of Christianity, but out of fear. <laughs> fear of being, I, I'm thinking maybe a spanking. Um, is that okay? Actually, yeah, it's absolutely necessary. Because... The, the ability to respond to authority uh, is critical. And it does take discipline. And the Bible says very clearly that all discipline for the moment is not joyful but sorrowful. It can, it can become abuse. It can become all of that other stuff also that's negative. But, but it is important, and this is something that's lost, I'm sorry, in this generation where they don't respect authority. They don't have any fear of authority. They don't have any fear of teachers. They don't have any fear of parents. So is fear necessary, uh, rational, reasonable, discipline that teaches us that if we grab the stove, we get hot and we get burned. So, uh, and again, this is, and each generation as the parents get further and further from Christ, they get more discipline in anger and not in love. So, uh, but is it, is it bad to learn discipline that way? Come on, you had your DI. You know, at the beginning, you didn't love him. You didn't give him a big huggy smoochie. Uh, the ends you did. And I think looking back, that's uh, something that, yeah, fear sometimes is the beginning of wisdom as we grow up. Age appropriate for the responsibilities? We, uh, we, 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 we pulled him from nowhere. We just sat down and talked about what we thought was best from our experience base. We looked at all the kids around. Uh, we pushed things back that we didn't have experience with. Uh, pick, if you pick up the list up at the back, those are guidelines. If, if you're familiar with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, they're just guidelines. Uh, <laughs> well, and even with age appropriate, is, uh, what we learned as parents is that 
what someone else was doing at a certain age for their kid was not necessarily going yeah. to work for my child. Each child is different. It's based on their maturity level. If they're not mature enough to handle whatever this privilege is, then you don't give it to them just because they're the age. Um, just like we can get a driver's license at 16, but if a 16-year-old is completely irresponsible, rebellious, disobedient, failing all of their classes, are they mature enough to handle a car? No. Wow. That's their problem. Well, I'm glad it wasn't your kid. <laughs> well, with the no, exception, well, you know, then you. No, you're right. You're right. I but. mean, yeah. I mean, it's inconvenient for the parent because you're still schlepping them around. You know, it, who knows? <laughs> yeah. But it's. It, I mean, that's the truth. One yes, of the things about the difference in kids, she's absolutely right, they're different. But one of the things that you have with any privilege that you give, you can instantly take it back if they abuse it or anything that can affect it. They're, if they show immaturity, well, you don't have that one. So. Did you have another question, Miss Diane? Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, let, me do, let me do clothes. Can I do clothes? Okay. I'm just going to, I suggest parents at some point when the kids are young, they put their clothes in a dirty hopper, dirty clothes hopper. That's their responsibility. As another age comes, they take them to the dishwasher or to the clothes washer. Yeah, we got, <laughs> uh, unless you're really poor, then you take them to the dishwasher <laughs> and double duty. Uh, but then, then at times, then, then the parents will put them on there folded. Then they put them away. Then they go and then they're taught at a certain age to do laundry. 12 years old, good age. Age 14, we gave our kids a clothing allowance so they could go buy their own clothes. They learned very quickly to not that what fashion cost. And so they could save up for that if they wanted to or get a side job. So at age uh, 14, they were responsible for their clothes from there on mm. out. And none of them mailed them home to you, did they, hon, when they were in college? Nope. <laughs> there, there is, there, again, watch, look at kids. And watch them as they grow. What can they do? What can, but set it out. And, and like, like no. Dion said, it can, it's different for different kids. But, but there has to be a teaching process where you check the box. When they go out at 18, they cook. When they're in the house, they cook one meal a week. They get the food. They make sure you got it. They cook it. So when they go out, they're good cooks. So you can go eat at their house and not eat junk. So. Right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, we will see you next week. And have a great rest of the weekend. Yep.